You're listening to That You Might Know, a series in the book of 1 John preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Father, we thank you for what we've heard and experienced thus far. We thank you for the scripture that has been read, the songs that have been sung. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth that there is coming a day when death will be no more. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And Lord, we long for that day. And now, Lord, we're here. You have placed us here at this place and this time for a reason, for a purpose. We thank you for that. We're here now this morning to gather together to exalt the name of Christ. And I pray that that's exactly what will be done now with the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd give clarity of mind you have insight, that you'd give wisdom. And Lord, I pray this morning that your truth would go forth with power and that Jesus Christ would be exalted. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. You might think that Al just blew it at the back of the soundboard, but I assure you he has not. It's for a reason, for a purpose. I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of light. A light, we take it for granted. We just assume that after we're done praying, the lights will be on and everything will be normal. And we know that in darkness, it's troubling. There's a couple things about light that we understand this morning. Light always chases away darkness. Always. It was dark in the auditorium, and with a flip of a switch, darkness is chased away. And the amazing thing is this. It doesn't matter how small the light is. Whenever light shines, darkness is dispelled. We have our candlelight Christmas service, and and we'll shut all the lights off, and one candle will be lit, and darkness will scatter. So, light chases away darkness. Not only that, light gives clarity. Clarity is given by light. It wasn't as dark in this room this morning, but in pitch darkness, it's hard to see. It's hard to gauge. Your depth perception is off. We, We can't see clearly, and yet, when the light comes on, we see, and we see things more clearly. And we even use this idiom in our own lives that if we're thinking through something and we can't make sense of it, that a light goes off in our head, meaning we now have clarity, we now see, or we have been inspired for something. So light chases away darkness, light brings clarity, and then whether we realize it or not, light causes life. It causes life. I know in Shannon we don't understand this, but there's a big thing in the sky called the sun, Right? It's a nuclear reaction that happens over and over again, and that fusion creates heat and creates light. And we don't think much about it. We see it, we take it for granted, but the fact of the matter is, if the sun was to go out today, right now, the circular orbit of our world would cease, which means that this planet that we are on would be hurled into outer space, traveling 67,000 miles an hour with no one driving the ship. Terrifying. And if today the light of the sun went out, within two or three weeks, the surface of this planet would be so cold that life could not survive. Could not survive. Light, my friend, is important. And the Bible uses light as well as a figure of importance. 
Uh, it's used about 275 times, and often when you see the word light in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it speaks metaphorically or symbolically about purity, goodness, truth, insight, and righteousness. And so with those things in mind this morning, let's look at our text, 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse number 5. John says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. So we started a couple weeks ago in 1 John. There's a message about the word of life. And now what John will do is this. He's going to take the whole message and abbreviate it into one succinct little um, phrase here that's packed with power. This is the message that we have, uh, we have heard from him and declare to you. And here's what it is. That God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This is, abbreviate the whole thing, this is the message, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And I I think often in our lives, we don't understand the power of what was just said there, nor do we understand the meaning of what has just been said. That God is light. And in his presence, there is no darkness at all. And we could spend time this morning going over our little experiment we did about what light does. Or we can talk about the uh, metaphors in the Bible. But let's understand what John is saying by letting John describe it for himself. John chapter 1, not the epistle, but the gospel. John says this. Speaking of the word. The word was... In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Speaking of Christ. And here's what he says in verse 4. In Him was life. In Jesus Christ, in Him, the Word, the Eternal One. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all men. I have to tell you, I, I, I don't know how many times i read that verse I want to say thousands, that might be hyperbole, but I've read it a lot. And and I'm tempted at times to just read over that and to think I understand what he just said. But listen again. In him was life. And the life was the light of all men. I was trying to think through that this week and I kept on going back to the sun. The sun that we know and we see and experience that there's life from the sun, and that that life from the sun emanates this light that we see, that we enjoy, that we experience, that brings clarity and, and warmth and life. Christ is light. He's light. Theologian John Stott says this about this phrase. God has as his very nature and being the source of life. At his very core, the God of heaven, his source, his being, is life, real life, full life, a joyful life, fellowship, love, communion. He is the source of all life. And that life, the Bible says, when Christ appears, that life is the light now that that spreads to all men a clarity, an understanding of what true life is and to see that life clearly. Light is associated with life because it comes from that source. 
And that light produces, that life produces life and clarity. It chases away darkness. Uh, C.S. Lewis was um, a tribute with this quote. He did not say this. He said something similar to this. But this is not from him. But, he, but the quote goes like this. I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but by it I can see everything else. Christ has come. He is life. And that life is light. And by the life and light of Christ, I now can clearly see everything around me the way it should be seen. There is no darkness at all. So God is light. Equate it with life and equate it with clarity. But then he goes on in John chapter 3. And let me read this. And, and I hope that all of the verses came up for John 3 because I added John 3.16 and forward on this. But John goes on now to talk more about darkness, that God is light and him is no darkness. John 3.16, you know the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He continues, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, Verse number 19. And this is a condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men have loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so notice what John has just done. He has compared now this idea of light and darkness. God is light. In him is no darkness. And then he helps us understand that when he's talking about light, there is this moral content that light is equated with truth and doing good, doing right and holiness. Evil or darkness is equated with evil, wickedness, and a lack of light. And you will find this all through John's writing, that that light and darkness are mutually exclusive, truth and lies mutually exclusive, and life and death. And so he says, here's the message. The message is that God is light. There's life. It emanates. It's clearly seen. To see a life that lines up with life and light. And so in the light of this now, John will confront false teachers and the tendency and impulses. Let's look at verse number six of our text this morning. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. John's thought through here is easy to follow because in chapter one now, he will, he will approach three false teachings or tendencies by the Gnostics talking about how they felt about sin and the body and the behavior. And they're easy to spot. Every one of them begins with, if we say... There's three of them, if we say. We'll focus on the first one this morning. But the idea is, if we say, here is either the exact teaching that was happening that was false, or this mantra that they use, that if we say these things, John will say what they are, then he'll say they're wrong and correct them. And here's the first one, verse number six. God is light, and him is no no darkness. But if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice, if we say we have fellowship with him, he's talking here about people, any person, um, whether they're folks who never darken the door of a church who are religious who say things like this, 
hey, I'm okay. Me and the guy upstairs, we're good. We're fine. I know him. I have fellowship with him. I, I approach God in my own way, on my own terms. We're good. And we hear this from people who never go to church, who are not interested in church. They're religious in some way. They say, okay, God and I are good. We also hear this statement from people who are regular attenders in church who say things like, hey, I have fellowship with God, I'm good with God, I am saved, to use a terminology, or as one of my friends often says, I'm a born-againer, right? I'm a born-againer, that I know God, that I'm making a profession that I know God. Whether it's a religious person or a regular attender in church, if I say, I know God, I have fellowship with Him, but I walk in darkness... Now, let me be clear. John is not talking now about Christian people who sin. Because Christian people sin. And if you're confused by that, the next few verses, he will explain that to all of us. To say that you don't, you're lying to yourself. The problem is not that Christian people sin. And by the way, sin doesn't destroy churches because we're all gathered together today, this morning, as Christians who do sin. Sin is a problem, but it doesn't destroy churches. Unconfessed sin and unaddressed sin destroys people and churches. And so John is not talking about the believer in Christ who says, I know him, I have fellowship with him, and yet they fall and they stumble and they mess up. Because all of us fall and stumble and mess up. All of us. He says, if I say I have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. In Jewish language, the idea of walk is, is your pattern of life. It's not just I messed up, I fell, I stumbled. It means we are characterized by this. This is how people see our lives. This is our life in total. We are characterized by this walk in darkness. Darkness. It is an habitual manner of life. If a person confesses that I know God, and yet their lifestyle is a lifestyle of darkness, not of light, not of life, not of truth, we might say the word sin. John says, you're lying to yourself, and you're lying to everyone else. You can confess what you want, but if your life is characterized by darkness... And by sin, you do not know what you're talking about. And for some of you this morning, it's like, oh no, here we go. The sin thing. That's all church ever talks about is sin and damnation and hell. And that's so archaic. May I submit to you this morning that the word sin is not archaic. It's actually needful for us this morning. It's a good word. It literally means that we have missed the mark. That in our behavior, in our lives, we have missed the perfect mark. Meaning that you and I were created with a purpose. That God designed us to love Him, to have fellowship with Him, to commune with Him, and to love one another. But we have sinned. We have missed the mark. And, and the words that are used to describe this behavior, like transgression, means breaking trust, the trust that we were given to live out this life we have broken, or iniquity, which is crooked behavior, they all make sense in light of this word. It is a moving away from light 
and life. Listen to me. When we talk about sin, ultimately, what we are doing is, we as human beings are moving away from light to darkness, from truth to lies. We are moving toward death. And sin is more, it's not just breaking God's law, it is wounding God's love. Because the God of heaven longs for humanity to be brought back into right relationship with him. All sin is darkness. There's no light. There's no clarity. Can I tell you something? Look around at our world today. Is it not dark? And is it not confusing? All over, there is mass confusion everywhere. People don't know right and wrong, up and down. I just saw the other day that now we have a new emoji. It's a pregnant man. Now, listen, I'm not even talking biblically. Let's talk biology. Impossible. If you're a man this morning and you believe you can be pregnant, it's a slap in the face of women who can actually create human beings which is a glorious thing. Men cannot have babies. And it's a lie to say that they can. That is utter confusion. And we live in a world today that it's a crime even to say it. Some of you are really uncomfortable. It's going to get worse in a minute. So just relax. (laughs) Uh, Just take a deep breath. Right? Because the greatest thing we can do is tell the truth. You can't live by lies. And what we're saying is, no one is above sin. We are all sinful. But when we make those decisions to turn against light, we are turning away from life. Real life. Sin always kills. Always. And whether it's sin as our culture would define it, They're still wrong today that as a culture, I think most of us would agree on, not outside of church, as a culture, this is wrong, or this is sin, or this is darkness. I hope it's still the case that we would say murder is wrong. Maybe we're we're getting close to that now that we, we don't as a culture. Or abuse, or rape. We understand that these things are wrong. They are sinful. It is darkness. They're wrong by consensus. But there's also sins that are right by our world. And the world tells us this is not a problem. It's okay. But it is a problem. We are such a sexualized culture right now that's all we see, hear, and think about. But do you know the Bible makes it clear that any relationship outside of the beauty and the covenant of marriage is wrong? It's just wrong. Why? Because there's no safety. There's no protection. There's no covenant to say, I'm in this, come thick or thin, hell and high water. I'm going to covenant with you. And so the Bible declares that all sexuality outside of that safety is wrong. Premarital, adultery, fornication, polygamy, homosexuality, it's wrong. And the world can tell you love is love, but, but all love is not love. It's just not. It's sin. And again, we want to claim certain sins as greater than others. It's all sin, my brother and sister. It's sin. 
The world can tell us abortion's okay. That murdering the life of a child is okay. Because someone has a right over their own body. It's not okay. And the world tells us that our greed and our consumerism in our nation that we've all succumbed to is okay and get all you can and can't all you get, it's sinful. It's sinful. So whether it's wrong by consensus or right by the world or respectable by Christians, we're all good so far, right? Some of you are. It's like, yeah, this is right. This is good. Preach that. But now, what about sins that are respectable for Christians to commit? Jerry Bridges has a great book, Respectable Sins. And here's what he lists, that we forget that are sinful before God. Pride, self-righteousness, irritability, anger, jealousy, gossip, gluttony. Oh, we don't talk about Bruno, do we? Right? Some of you will get that. Some of you who have young children, don't have young children or grandchildren, you'll never know what that means. And you're okay for it. We ignore these things. But the fact of the matter is, the person who makes a profession while their life is characterized by darkness is lying. It's an illusion to God. They're lying to God, to everyone around them, and to, to themselves. Light and darkness are mutually exclusive. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? It's rhetorical. It's really easy. None. None. He goes on to say, what communion has light with darkness? And the answer is none. And so if God is light and in him is no darkness, then there is no fellowship with the two of those things. Jesus goes on to say this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. And so, my friend this morning, whether you're religious or a regular attender, if you're saying, hey, I'm okay, God and I are right, and yet our lives are characterized by constant darkness, this walk, this habitual nature that is always in the dark. John says, you're lying. You're lying. Look at verse number 7 of our text. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Again, he says that there is no true fellowship in darkness when our lives are characterized by darkness and death. Um, and this is really important. Just let's take a moment. The verses that were read earlier by Brother Andrew, Ephesians 4, verse 17. Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk, walk, right? Your lifestyle, your manner, how you're characterized. You should no longer walk um, as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So Paul's saying clearly, when I come to Christ, when I have seen the light, right? Who was that? Was that Willie Nelson, I Saw the Light? The song? Some of you country, you, you gospel, some gospel people should know something like that. What's that? Hank Williams. Hank Williams. Oh, my goodness. All right. Way back. Way back. Before my time, I'm sure. Um, right? If I've come to the light, if I've seen the light, then I should not continue to live in darkness, 
Paul expects believers' lives to be drastically changed when they see the glory and truth of Jesus Christ. That's what he expects. So he says, quit walking like Gentiles walked in the futility of their minds. Having their understanding darkened. Again, there's no light there. Being alienated from the life of God. And so he says, listen, darkness always alienates. And these people, the past life was a life of past feelings to be callous. There's a reason why people who are in darkness, and not just in the church, everywhere, cannot get along, cannot fellowship. Why? Because they're callous. They're apathetic. They're insensitive. They don't care about the consequences of what they say or do. Who cares? I'll do what I want to do. How do you have a relationship with that? You can't. He goes on to say that they're sensual, unbridled self-indulgence. When we walk in darkness and not the light, we become me monsters. It's all about me. So I don't care about anybody else. It doesn't matter. As long as the story and the narrative is about me, every conversation, every post, me, me, me. He says they're greedy. People who take advantage of other people for their own gains. This verse isn't up there, but Titus 3, well, we read it. Titus 3, 3 says, Paul says, Passing our days before we were saved in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Can, can you see why in the church of Jesus Christ, if the church is full of unregenerated people who are making a profession that they know Jesus and yet walking in darkness, there can be no fellowship. None. It's despairing. And Christians who somehow believe that they can divorce their religion and righteous living cannot have fellowship with each other. That's not how it goes. We cannot live like that, nor can we afford to live like that. And so Paul says, if I say I know him, I profess this, but my life is characterized by darkness, I am lying. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. Walking in the light, truth, clarity, life. Jesus says this is the way to walk in it. And what John is calling us to do is to walk in light, to understand that life has come, the light has shone on all men and women, and we who know him now are to walk in that light, to have clarity, to have direction, to have truth, and to have real life. And my brother and sister this morning, when we confront the light of Jesus Christ, when we're transparent with him, he does a deep and abiding work in our hearts and lives. We want to be authentic, no more pretending, transparent lives before God and one another. And when the church of Jesus Christ, who professes him, begins then to walk in life, there is fellowship. Why? Because we're back to how, we start to come back to how we were created. You and I were created to be fully known. Fully known. No secrets, no hiding, no skeletons. When Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God, they were, they were naked and fully known. And they fellowshiped with the God of heaven, full of love, mercy, and grace. We're to be known, fully known, and to be fully loved. See, this is what we do. We hide and we pretend because we believe that if God knows how we are, or people know how we are, then we can certainly not be fully known, and we will certainly not be loved. And that's not God's plan. 
He says, come into the light to be known, to be loved, to experience life the way it was meant, forgiveness and grace extended. People who walk in light understand their own hearts are exposed, we go for forgiveness, we find cleansing, and therefore we extend that grace and love and kindness to other people as well. This is how the church is to work. This life opens up the way for cleansing. The blood of Christ cleanses us from whatever sin would mar our relationship with God and others. It's a beautiful thing. And part of our problem in churches today is this. That we as believers, I'm not talking about those who profess who don't know, but we as believers have allowed some of these impulses of darkness into our life that there's not true fellowship with God and one another. So, in closing, just four points. What do we do with this now? If what John is saying is true, and it is. What do we do? Number one, you and I come to the light. You might be here this morning, or you might be listening this morning, and your life would be characterized by darkness. By darkness. By despair. By emptiness. By hopelessness. By lifelessness. That you're living a life and you're trying to figure it out and just try to find out what purpose is and what meaning is and what you're here for. And you keep on coming up against a, a, a brick wall. What this, is, what this is about. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus has come. He is life. And his light has shown that you can have clarity and direction. And when you come to him, you can be restored back to the God of heaven and have perfect fellowship and peace with him. My friend, this morning, Jesus Christ has come. In him was life, real life. And that life produces light and clarity. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, and you've been living in darkness and death and emptiness, it's empty. It is em- there is no life there. Christ has come. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death we deserved. The wrath of God was poured on his head so that we won't have to experience. He died, was buried, and rose again so we can be justified. So if you don't know him, come to light. But if you do know him this morning... And darkness has crept into our lives, and it does. This battle is a constant battle. The Puritans would often say, keep killing sin or sin will keep killing you. For the believer, the way to have true fellowship with God, who is light and love, is not to deny the fact or effects of sin. If you're a believer, there's a desire in your heart and your chest that you want to fellowship purely and completely with God. And the way to do that, John says, is not by hiding your sin or the effects of your sin. It's by coming and walking in the light. So many of us, we play games with God. If, you, if you've raised children or you've had grandchildren, almost, almost all of them, I think, do this. They want to play hide-and-seek with you. And they said, let's play hide-and-seek. And you say, okay, let's play hide-and-seek. And so they say, count, and you start counting. And you're sitting there in a chair in a wide-open space, and that child, that two- or three-year-old, three-years-old, runs to a corner in front of you and does this. <laughs> right? And then you're like, no, I'm still counting. You can do better than this. This is ridiculous. You are not hiding. I see you. Everyone sees you. But they're good, because they believe that their eyes are closed and you would never see them. And how foolish that is. If they're still 15 playing like that, something's wrong, right? And yet, in our lives, we know what darkness is. We know what God has said. 
His light through the Word and the Spirit shines brightly upon all of it. And we make bad decisions. And instead of coming clean with Him, we hide and we pretend and we act as if I've got it all together. That is not the way to have fellowship with God or anyone else. We've got to quit pretending. It helps no one. No one. Come to church and dressing right, and acting like all your stuff together, and pretending like you never have a struggle or a problem, that's a lie. And it helps no one. No one. There's a song written several years ago, at least now, by, I think it was Casting Crowns. It says this, Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everyone seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover what, that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again so everyone will see me the way that I see them. And the chorus goes like this. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness the smiles to hide our pain. But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. It's a masquerade, my friend. And in order to have fellowship with God, we don't hide. We don't pretend. We don't become self-righteous and act as if, oh my goodness, can you believe what they did? Believer, you and I are capable of doing any sin imaginable. And so we come out of hiding. It helps no one. How do we do this? Number two, we confess. We admit. We agree with God. Now listen to me. I, I can see the audience, and I know that for some of you, when we start talking about sin, you cringe. You cringe. And some of you would rather soft-pedal that or ignore it or call it something else. But I submit to you, when you do that, you have lost all hope. Because there's a cure for sin. There's a cure for all sin. There is a solution for that. There is a Savior who has come. And so when we confess, we don't just confess before God like, God, I'm so sorry, forgive me of all my sins. How convenient. But what we do is say, the light has been shown on my life. I see clearly what I've done. God, forgive me. I'm a liar. God, forgive me. I gossip and destroy people's lives. God, forgive me of my lustful thoughts. God, forgive me and name it. Agree with him. This is wrong because it's then and only then that the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ comes and washes us completely clean. Do you understand what we have when we finally name it, confess it? We have forgiveness. And why do we run from that? Why do we pretend that somehow we can deal with this? You can't. I can't. We are not equipped to deal with any guilt. It destroys lives. You can't continue to pretend. It's exhausting. You're going to play the game 24-7? And so we confess because in the confession of our sin, there is hope, there is cleansing, there is forgiveness, there is restoration. You are made clean. Clean. And by the gracious provision of God himself, we receive cleansing.
cleansing. So we come to the light, we confess. And then finally this morning, we have to realize that this light gives clear vision. Through Christ, his word, and his spirit, we have clear vision, which should lead to right conduct. The reason we open the word, the reason we preach the word, the reason we memorize the word is not just to fill our heads, to see light and truth in what God says. It's then to take that light and it should lead us to righteous living. Not just to say, I believe it, but to do it. To do it. Do what the light has exposed in your life. So, clear vision from the word and from the spirit leads to right conduct. Darkness produces death, but light is life. And what I want you to walk away with this morning is this, that all sin is death and darkness. A habitual life of that means that you have no life in you. You must be born again. But for those of us who have been captured at times from this darkness, understand it's still death to you. It destroys happiness, peace, and relationships. It must be confessed and forsaken. Come to the light. In my own personal life, I, 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 growing up, I never liked scary stories, ever. Like scary novels, scary movies, being in a tent with a flashlight under your face freaks me out, right? Never liked any of those things. I don't like scary. How many of you folks, you like scary movies? Can I see your hands? Okay, you're all warped. There's something wrong with all of you, right? Um, and and I, I, just, I just don't like them. I've never liked them, never enjoyed them. Matter of fact, the boys a couple years ago, David and, and Greg, had, came I watched some scary movie that was so stupid. It wasn't even scary. But I, I just don't, I think there's enough scariness in the real world today, to be honest with you, right? I don't, I don't need someone to scare me. I, I think there's enough scariness out there. But inevitably, in these books or these movies, something will happen to one of the characters, and they'll be either on a deathbed, or they'll be in some kind of sci-fi thing, and there's a light. And everyone says to them, hey, whatever you do, don't go towards the light. Right? You know that, you've seen that, don't go towards the light, whatever you do. Because you're going to die. Whatever it is on the other side, you're going to die. Can I tell you something this morning, believer? It's the complete opposite in the word of God. Because we move toward the light. Because the light is life. The light is clarity. The light is a life of true joy and blessing and peace. And so as believers this morning, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines forth in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It can't overcome it. Because it's light and life. And may we, by God's grace, who profess him, have lives that are characterized by walking in light. And yes, we fall and we stumble. And John will talk more about this next week. But we should have a desire, as the light is shown in our hearts and lives, to follow it, to see the clarity, and to know it is not to hurt us or to keep us that's an old lie that's been going on for a long, long time. It is to give us true life and life more abundant. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given us um, a cure for sin. We don't have to hide. We don't have to run. We can confess and forsake and find cleansing and healing. Lord, forgive us. In our own lives, we've allowed darkness to creep in. We have been... Um, unsensitive to your leading and your calling. 
Help us to see clearly the areas of our life that, that you are exposing. Help us to come clean before you. Help us to seek your face, repentance, and re- reconciliation. Um, and Lord, help us as a body of believers to live lives that are transparent before you and one another, that this can be a place of true fellowship, light, love, and peace. And so, Lord, help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Join me in standing, if you would, as we close out. God, that he does hold us fast. I think in the time for prayers, I may have said Alyssa, Alyssa Grant, if you question that. And Calissa had surgery just the other day, but she's resting well at home, so we thank God for that. Um, remember, if you get your picture taken, go into the gymnasium now, get that done. And tonight, our youth are leading with testimonies for Sunday night at 6. Please be here. Let me close. Uh, Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, looking or working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.